morning and welcome back to your Hebrew Nation Morning Show, where Hebrews from all over the world gather to share and listen about the biblical roots of our faith. Sit back with your favorite morning brew and join the conversation. Lines are now open, so call 503-967-3001. 503-967-3001. His kingdom, His people, and your radio station. Well, welcome back, and you are listening to the Wednesday morning program on Hebrew Nation Radio, and we are so blessed and honored to have our very special guest today, Dr. Dina Dye, and man, we are just uh, going through a wealth of information um, that uh, Dina has been very um, uh, active. active. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was looking for a different word, but that's good. Yes. <laughs> she has been, she's been in the trenches, and she's she's out there on the move. And so Hard she's giving hear. Yes. It, she's, give, she's a warrior bride, so... Uh, Yes. That's why we love and respect her so much. So, Dino, you were talking about um, getting involved and in doing some things before we went on on the break, and and how we've kind of advocated um, our roles and responsibility in culture um, when we don't vote and we don't get involved and we don't vote for righteousness and we're not actually involved in the ground game of of changing the culture, which. I, I loved what you said that everything's political when you get right down to it and always has been. Yeah. And the, the very, so in my, this is my humble opinion, you know, I'm working on my third book on Noah and I am actually working on it, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> uh, finished by the end of the year. But I would suggest because the world in which uh, the ancient world, the world of uh, the Sumerians and, you know, we don't really have a date for Adam and Eve or the flood or anything. And I won't, it's in my book. I won't get into it now, but that environment was an environment of kingship. Kingship in those days wrapped itself around the city state and everything functioned in that context. And I would just suggest that as these city states gained power and, and, you know, whether this is the time of Sargon, I don't know. But as they amassed power, um, they became, uh, like all <laughs> tyrants, corrupt. And I would suggest that, you know, in, in the story of the flood, when we're talking about um, the violence on the earth, I would just suggest that has to do with the, with the corruption. So we're right back. It, it's the nature of tyrants to be corrupt. And that's what we're dealing with here. Wow. Um, so I... Right here in my little town, I live in a little town outside of Albuquerque, and uh, it may be 6,000 people. And the uh, some very smart citizens of our community uncovered all of the corruption by a mayor here. He hadn't been in office very long. His family has owned most of the land in this town for, you know, decades. And this guy is totally unadulterated, corrupt. And he would not leave office. We ended up, they ended up filing a lawsuit 
uh, with you know the Secretary of State and various agencies and whatever. He they ruled against him for nepotism, malfeasance, and you name it. And I'm going, this is just our little town in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, a town of 6,000, and we uncovered tremendous corruption. So this is what we're facing. And I, you know, I guess we all have a little bit of that in us, but this, the, the, the bigger it gets, the more bureaucratic it gets, the more uh, corruption it is. And, and we, we mentioned earlier, uh, and I will talk about this, the corruption in our intelligence agencies. So for now, the number one thing, you know, of course, we have an election coming up. Uh, I, you know, being a poll watcher is important, being a poll challenger, uh, working at your precinct in some ways. But what you need to do, and it's getting late, so I'm not sure how it'll work in in the States, but you need to contact your county clerk or your Republican chair of your county and they will get you connected to wherever and get the training that you need if, you know, if it isn't too late. Here's a couple of other options for you. I mean, we need people, we need boots on the ground making sure because right. we have uh, precincts in, in uh, New Mexico that are totally controlled by the Democrats and they pretty much do whatever they want and they throw up ballots and dead people vote and all that sort of thing. So it behooves Republicans to get into every precinct in America and be watching what's going on. And then on top of that, there's an organization called Faith and Freedom Coalition, uh, headed up by Ralph Reed. He's been in the trenches with this stuff for decades. And Smart Cookie got his pul- you know, hand on the pulse. He's saying that this election, it's looking like uh, evangelicals will be voting uh, at a level north of, what, 70% or 80%. I don't remember what it was. But if you go there to their website, um, they will connect you. You don't have to know. I'm not a big knocking on door person, so I get that. But you can make phone calls and they have, everything's digital now. You can just have an app on your phone and make phone calls. So that's one way right. there. I think they're knocking out phone calls to like 40 million people, some un, you know, untold amount. So free faith and freedom coalition. Just uh, go look for that www.ffcoalition.com and you it doesn't matter what state you're in you can help them out and you you're only going to be calling people you know in the community like they're not going to have you call some radical damn you know living in Santa Fe okay they're going to have you work in the Republican community or the evangelical community call people that will probably be nice to you on the phone <laughs> versus <laughs> hanging up there's another organization called Pray at Your Poll. Um, PrayAtYourPoll.com, I believe it is what it is. So you can sign up there or you can just literally go to your poll station and just, you know, you could sit in your car out there and just pray over the poll station for, you know, election integrity and order and, you know, the, the, the fraud. <laughs> there won't be any. So those are a couple of things. Again, the ground game is key. So anyone in your community, friends, family, whomever, you know, contact them, make sure they're voting. If they haven't voted, remind them. This this is the rough and tumble, hard work, ground game of politics. It's messy and not fun like this. The next two weeks is not fun, but it's it's warfare, trench warfare that has to be done. Right. Right. Yes. And it is it's so important. You know, I mean, like you were saying, every vote does count. And 
you may not think it matters or it might make not might might may not make a difference but i even have someone a young person actually uh that's only voted in a cup maybe one election so far and they told me um well you know i live in oklahoma i could vote for trump but it's not going to matter anyway because we're such a red state and i'm like what i wouldn't give to be in a red state But it maybe ma- you have to send your person to New Mexico to live here for a bit. Right, right. Then you would appreciate that freedom and liberty because when you start taking it for granted, you lose it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. Right. Yeah. And and, and it's we so, don't it, want to experience. I, you know, my state is on track to become Venezuela. Okay, we've killed the oil and gas industry. And we are the only state in the union that has a a Green New Deal signed into law that they're already beginning to implement, Mm. which means that by 2030, we are supposed to be entirely dependent on solar and wind. Excuse me. How does that work? So our utility rates in the poorest nation in uh, poorest state in the nation, our utility rates will likely quadruple. These people can ill afford this. And then on top of that, and the three billion that she just spent, our governor did on Lord knows what. The next legislative session, gas prices are going to go up. Our taxes are going to go up in the poorest state in the union. We will be Venezuela. I give it maybe five to seven years. Mm. Wow, wow, yeah. And and you know the funny thing is, okay, so this is for those of you that don't know. Um, <clears throat> when I lived in California. I did buy a uh, car that is uh, partial electric and, mm-hmm. you know, it uses gas and electric. And then, you know, the governor, and this is how, this is how stupid the, this stuff is, you know, the governor is encouraging everybody buy electric cars, buy electric cars, you know? And, and so they gave, I got a, like a $5,000 rebate to buy this car that's partially electric. Uh, electric, which I love, you know, I mean, I get, you know, 50 miles to the gallon is great. Um, but here, here's the clicker, the, the, because they never think it all the way through. So now you've got all of these electric cars in California and they, they go ding, ding, ding. Oh, we're not getting gas tax anymore. So then they come up with the brilliant idea that what we're going to have to do is then start taxing you on uh, the mileage that you use and a special tax now if you buy an electric car. And it's like, are you kidding? Are you flipping kidding me? You know, it's it's so insane. And then they find that these the battery like that's in the back of my car not the you know regular battery but the battery that's in the back that operates when it's not using gas has a a lifetime of eternity when you have to dump it right and so it never disintegrates or anything and so how is this good for the environment if everybody has electric cars on these batteries that are horrible for the environment. And so, you know, it's just, it's just insanity on steroids. Yeah. I say the Democrats reveal the hypocrisy that lives large in them every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So, I mean, the, you know, this is this is all problematic. But again, you know, these policies just enslave people and they make their lives miserable and they they tax them to death. And, and New Mexico, we're you know, we're in huge trouble here. I don't I, you know, I don't know really how we survive any of this. So uh, one of the things I did want to mention, too, before I forget, because I know there's an argument. Well, people don't really understand what happens if this election is completely chaotic and we don't you you understand that the media if donald trump is ahead and winning in states the media is not going to announce this uh right. the mainstream media you have to look for alternative sources um if biden's ahead they'll happily announce it but they have what i've heard my latest numbers they got like three thousand lawyers across the country so they're going to lock this up in court to the best of their ability so we have a couple of drop dead, uh, uh, you know, um, December 8th, I believe, and December 14th are uh, when electors will be certified. So if we don't meet those deadlines, and this is still chaos, a mess, and in court, it is more than likely this thing ends up in the House of Representatives. Now, that does not mean Nancy Pelosi will be, you know, the president. People don't understand this. I know she's third in line, but she will not be the president. So how it works in the House of Representatives, now this has only happened twice in our history, 1807 and 1824. So it's done by delegations. So we have, uh, there are obviously 50 states, so therefore there are 50 congressional delegations. Right now the Republicans control 26 delegations, the Democrats 23, and there's one delegation that's tied. So what that means is, for instance, in New Mexico, we have five in our congressional delegation. We have two senators and three Congress people. Texas, I believe, has 35. In our state, the Democrats control the congressional delegation. In Re Texas, the Republicans control the congressional delegation. Each congressional delegation has one vote, one state, one vote. So if the election goes to the House, that means the Republicans would win because they have 26 and the Dems have 23 as it stands now. And so the Republicans would obviously put uh, Donald Trump into office. We have an interesting situation in Minnesota in which a guy died in office. And so there's one less congressman and they are not voting for that seat until February. So that seat is out. There's one other seat that looked like it could flip Republican, which means that Republicans would actually control the delegation in Minnesota, which would give them 27, and the Dems would have 22. So there's there's going to be a lot of jockeying here, but that's how in the, in the if it's a mess and tied up, that is how we'll have the president. So people, mm -hmm. it's called a contingent election. Right, right. Wow. <clears throat> well, and that only uh, increases the responsibility for believers to get out and vote for your Congress exactly. and your we Senate. We have to hold those congressional delegations. So excuse yeah. me, that matters. We can't just go, oh, I ain't going to vote for my congressperson. I don't like him. You had better because we need to hold those congressional right. uh, seats. Yeah. Right. And right. even though we don't control the House of Representatives, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you see, we control more seats. Mm -hmm. I mean, we control more delegations, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, we have this window and this is the way um, I kind of look at it, too, is we have this window of opportunity 
um, <clears throat> to at least for the next four years. Right. Uh, set things in motion that maybe can't w would take years to reverse should after four years uh, which is typical history as well that the democrats would have another shot and probably elect you know the alternate party at that time right what, what would you say about that you know how can we safeguard that even after this next four years um <clears throat> we well we have to safeguard tomorrow. So we can't just sit back, you know, cross our legs and, you know, think that everything is just going to be fine because now Trump's in office and we can breathe a sigh of relief. Uh-uh. Now yeah. is when work begins. We have four years to work to make sure that we don't have some radical leftist revolutionary, you know, in office in 2024. And right. so that requires everybody in, you know, involved in their community. There'll be all kinds of elections between now and 2024. Um, your mayors and your county commissioners and all that stuff, you need to be working in the trenches. If you think that you can just sit back for the next four years and, and say, okay, all is well, you don't get it. <laughs> so right. exactly. I'm, you know, now more than ever is the time to step, no matter what happens on November the 3rd, now more than ever, you've got to step up and get involved and just stop with this. You know, it's it's politics and I'm too spiritual for this. Your country is at stake, your children and your grandchildren. And you have an obligation by the kingdom of heaven to take care of those who need that are vulnerable and weak. And we do that in this country through the policies of those we elect. That's how we do it. And you can certainly work in your community and, you you know, work at a pro-life center and do all those things. And, and you should. But you should be thinking about every day educating people on the dangers of where the precipice that we're at between socialism, and, you know, and freedom. Uh, we, you know, we lost the battle in the, in the schools. And I would say right now we have tremendous opportunity to educate our children because they're not in school being indoctrinated. But once again, I'm seeing in the uh, the faith-based community, they're just kind of not doing anything. Like this would be the time for Republicans, you know, to get on board and get out in front of this and, and make some changes in the Department of Education and, and, and making changes in your community. Like we, you know, the other side of this virus, you know, there are some tremendous opportunities, but it, it will do us no good if we don't take advantage of it. And so we have to take advantage of the next four years in getting to work, rolling up our sleeves and doing whatever it takes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and you know, there's so many parents that would sometimes, if they felt their children had to be in school and now they are home and the parents are just beside themselves not knowing what to do and this is a great time rather than so many parents that would complain about this and that now they see it's not so easy to educate but you can get all kinds of help all yes. kinds of help through your community or through others or through the community you attend to do this and like you said there's some great positive things with this also yeah you just have to look for them you know, I, I had I was under the mistaken impression early on that, you know, OK, we're, we're locked down for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. By the time May, mid-May hit, we're good, back to normal. You know, I had no clue <laughs> this is where it was going to end up. 
the problem now is we're seven months in or whatever it is and people are still in that same position like oh it's you know it's just going to open and it's going to be business as usual and clearly it is not and so we no longer have the luxury of sitting around waiting we have to get active and aggressive and get on the move recognize the situation for what it is you know we've laid low for too long we have certainly in our state but it's time to get on the move and no more you're just waiting for something to change because it's not you need to be the one to make the change right right so it is it's it's something that uh, we as believers should take personal responsibility for and how our how, even how we're training up our children i think it's great for children to see us involved uh and not just sitting back and waiting to see what happens. Oh, absolutely. See, we're, I think partly Christianity has that, you know, waiting on the Lord thing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> him to just magically do stuff and somehow it's just all going to happen. I think a lot of us are guilty of that. You know, he expects us to engage in the kingdom and that requires action. That requires doing. And uh, we have got to get out of that mindset of waiting for God to come and make everything okay. He right. has put us on this earth to work to make everything okay. So the the concept of Tikkun Olam, repairing the world in the Jewish community, what they say, and so many people thought that was so anti-spirituality, uh, and it's not. Like you say, it's all tied together. We are involved with the physical. We are the ones that can make a change. And we're not, you know, people, like you said, that have said, oh, I'm just waiting until we're raptured out or whatever they believe. And then, all, you know, that is not the right concept at all, at all. Yeah. And that's been our philosophy. And, of course, mm-hmm. those of us now who are older, looking back in the years and going, you know what? This is all I got. I don't know how many years I got left, but I got to make it count because, right. you know, <laughs> nothing may change as far as, you know, the Yeshua coming and, you know, restoring all things. I don't know, but I have a job to do to restore things in the best way that I am able. I mean, I'm obviously not God and not perfect, but I have an obligation and responsibility to my fellow man, you know, my friends, my family, my community to make things better for those who maybe through no fault of their own, you know, need a, need a helping hand. Right. Right. Well, and all we have to do is look at Cuba and Venezuela and some of these places that, you know, we're (laughs) probably under the same delusion that that many Americans are today that, you know, it can't happen here. Right. You know, we we have, you know, I mean, at one time, Venezuela was one of the largest, I think it was third largest economy in the world or something uh, because they were so oil rich. Yeah, the jewel of South America it was. Oil rich. And look at it. You can't even buy a roll of toilet paper off the shelf. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? They went after the middle class. That's always what, you know, communism, socialism does. It, you know, it decimates the middle class. So all you end up with is the elites and the poor. And that's the way they want it. So in, uh, in the United States, one of our greatest gifts and one of our greatest protections is property rights because poor people don't tend to own property. Uh, so that's what they're going after. 
and people need to, to be aware and wake up. You, you vote for Joe Biden, you're pretty well losing everything. You're losing your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, you know, your Fifth Amendment, your Fourteenth Amendment. You're losing it all. And, you know, we have been we have seen the fruit of an America first agenda to where our jobs are coming back. But the Wall Street and the lobbyists and um, the you know, free traders and the Democrats and the rhino Republicans have uh, completely sold us out to China. You know, when when they had China enter the World Trade Organization and gave them third world status. I mean, he's right, right. Okay, we are going to break. Yeah.